1: I'm Coach Jen from Ocala,
0: Florida. And I'm Mary Kitzmiller from Kemp, Texas. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for October 13th, episode 3038, brought to you by Horseware. Good morning, Horse World.
1: Welcome back, Mary Kitzmiller. Thanks. I'm glad to be back. But coming up on today's show, we are going to take a deep, deep dive into starting Mustangs because we're going to catch up with Mary on her new Mustang. And then we're also going to have Marsha Hartford-Sapp on. She's going to chat a little bit about how it's going, getting her Mustang started coming up. Cool. So what is today's training tip and how was it inspired? Because there's always... An inspiration.
0: So it is inspired by the current Mustang. I'm training for Mustang magic and the training tip is trust your gut. And this is, this can be really hard because sometimes you're working with a horse and all the boxes are getting checked. Everything looks good, but something in you says, Nope, wait, don't do it. Don't get on that horse. Don't saddle that horse. Um, and of course me being a little stubborn, I would just go, eh, it's fine. And inevitably something would happen and I would hit the ground or, you know, have some, some catastrophe. And I'd realize, you know, maybe I should have listened to that little voice in my head telling me don't, um. And so with the Mustang I'm working with in particular, and you know, we'll get into all the details about her, but, um, and it's happened with a couple of other horses, uh, during the saddling process and saddling a colt is something that I'm, I'm extremely good at. If I do say so myself, um, knock on wood, I've never go poorly. I'm very good at getting a wild, uh, or green horse that has never had a saddle on to stand perfectly still. I put the saddle on and do up all the cinches. So, you know, it's grabbing the horse all over those very sensitive areas of their belly. And so when you saddle one for the first time, um, if you're not paying attention, you know, they could take off bucking. And if it's a horse that you've spent time with, like um hooking on and building a connection, they'll look to you for help and they will buck at you which is terrifying oh Um, my yeah if you've never run backwards as fast as you can as a horse is exploding at you um you just haven't lived. Uh, so, so they're basically <laughs> running at you going, getting off, get it off, get it off. Yeah, they're like, yeah, because you've seen, you know, in the cult starting process, I do a lot in the beginning of look to me for help. You know, I'm here to help you face up, give me two eyes. So when you saddle one for the first time, sometimes they explode out of their tracks like they stepped on a landmine and they're like, remember your training and they're running at you like, help me, help me. <laughs> so, so you have to <laughs> do this yeah you have to be very aware of your surroundings and sometimes you know they're kicking out at the scary thing and you could be collateral damage um and you know sometimes and this has not happened to me uh, you can mess up a lot with colt starting horses are very forgiving and there's a lot of mistakes you can make and you can come back from and it not be a big deal you know even as far as falling off the first ride i've had that happen and got back on it was okay but the one thing you can't really screw up uh, without having some repercussions is saddling. If you have something really scary happen to that colt when you saddle for the first time, it is really hard for them to get over. And I've seen horses that are 15 years old that is still explode bucking with the saddle every day because something bad happened in their saddling process. The girth wasn't tightened up all the way and they took off and the saddle went under their belly, which is horrifying for a horse. It's terrifying. Um, so you really have to be, you know, very smart about what you're doing. And normally, you know, in spite of all the, the risk, I'm really good you know, I've done this in colt starting competitions where we only had like an hour to get that saddle on. Um, I'm really good at setting it all up to where even though that colt has had very little training, I'm good at setting it up to where they're prepared for it. Even if they do get scared, I can control it. Um And so I've done this many, 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 many times. And I've witnessed a lot of things and experienced a lot of things. So when I was doing this process with my Mustang, she's checking all the boxes. She's calm and willing and looks quiet. But when it came to putting the saddle on something in me, just said, just wait, just wait a bit. And it took like three weeks for the voice to finally subside and me to go, okay, we're, we're, we're about ready to to be there. And I'm, I'm hoping, and I'm fairly sure that when I do get the saddle on, the source is going to be so unbothered by it, that I'm going to be kicking myself and thinking I should have done it three weeks ago.
1: Um, but <laughs> I would, let me, much- let me interject, let me interject right there. Yes. This is, this is something that Those of us who find the training process just as or even more fascinating than the result happens all the time. Because when we approach or get through a plateau that we perceive to be important or difficult, when it goes really smoothly, we question ourselves saying, well, did I just make that up that it it really isn't a big deal? Or Yeah. We gaslight ourselves. Yes. You've been crazy this whole time. Like, Or did I just do a really good job? And it just brings me back to a moment early on when Glenn and I got together. Glenn, not a horse guy, had never touched a horse before in his life before we got together. I would ask him to come out and hang out when I was working with youngsters who were approaching or about to experience those plateaus. For example. The first time you get on their back. That way, if I got chucked in the air, there was somebody there to dial 911. This was before the advent of cell phones. And I so distinctly remember one youngster who was prone to explosions. I went out, I got on, everything went beautifully. Got on, she stayed calm and relaxed. We walked, we trotted, everything went fine. After about 10 minutes, he said, well, that was boring. And he just went back in the house. <laughs> oh nice <laughs> well that was boring it's like that was the goal don't make it boring but you doubt yourself and then you say well am I not pushing hard hard enough am I am I not am I not asking for enough Am I being a wimp blah 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 but you're right we absolutely doubt ourselves when it goes well
0: Exactly. And, you know, um, working with horses, you are, it's just like internal reflection hundred percent of the time, which is intense and why we're probably all a little bit crazy. Um, and so I have been doing this same thing, especially because so many other competitors day three, they're like, I'm riding my horse bareback and bridleless through the fields. I'm like, Oh man, yeah, like I'm still just standing next to mine, touching her. Um, and so, yeah, you go through all that. Like, you know, am I might just being a huge baby? But I would much rather realize that I needlessly spent extra time on something that was probably going to be fine to begin with than the other thing, which is oh, we're okay to do this. And even though all the alarms are screaming in my brain, I'm just going to go ahead and do it anyway. And then having something bad happen, I would much rather it just be that I was being a huge baby. Yes. And yes, it's a lot and, yeah, and you, for everybody. Exactly. And you really don't know, you know, what is it because I did all the extra prep work or was it always going to be this
1: fine? Yes, um exactly. But, you don't know. Yeah, that's okay. And going back
0: to a boring first ride, I tell you what, I one of my favorite events I've ever been to was this thing called Horsemen's Reunion in California in 2014, and you had 20 amazing horse people from all over the world starting 40 colts, and I got wow. to, I yeah, I somehow got to like sneak on the roster because someone else had had a really bad accident and broken six ribs on a colt. So you know, <laughs> reminder, even the best people in the world get really, really hurt doing this. It is an extreme sport to the extreme. So I got to I got to do it and uh which was awesome. And I, I did really well if I do say so myself. My horses were great. It was fun. But I the favorite, my favorite part about it was just watching everyone. And it wasn't a contest. It wasn't like, you know, who can do it the fastest. It was just 20 people showing your program it, and we had like six days and if it's oh, if it they it still do that six, is it annual no they don't i'm so they bummed do it again yeah i've had like anyone who's the, a lot of road of the horse people have been there pat Perelli, chris cox uh jonathan field trevor carter um and they had these really cool guys, which they, they weren't a whole episode on themselves from Argentina, who did this really awesome, like almost mystical way of cult starting where they just climbed out on bareback. Um, there were a couple guys from Australia and everyone was amazing, um, and completely awesome. But watching all that, when I was not doing my slot of training horses, I would watch what the other guys were doing and they're, were a lot of guys that were doing amazing things They were on their colts really quick and they were chasing cattle around the arena, but you could see all the effort in their program. When they started with their horses, there was a lot of dust and horses that were, you know, sweaty at the end of it and just a lot of action, like really Mm -hmm. entertaining. And, um, but the guys who, in my opinion, like had me in awe were, the people who it looked it looked like they got the easiest colt in the bunch like are you sure this thing wasn't broke already even <laughs> though i know that colt was probably just as wild as everything else out there and they were there was one uh guy in particular Buster McLaurie, who's uh you know real deal cowboy uh uh you know he's amazing and he just kind of looked like he was puttering around with his colt you hardly saw that colt move out of a walk and he'd get on his colt and he'd kind of walk it over here and dink around a little bit and then move it over there and you know pick up a trot step or two but it was like really if if you weren't paying attention you could easily just get bored with it and look at something else that was going on. Um, but by the end of it, that horse looked like it had 30 more rides than anything else. It was calm and beautiful. So that's what it should be. In my opinion, does it always happen that way? No, but that is the goal.
1: Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And you're right. The, when you, particularly when you have the opportunity to watch a number of different trainers with different horses, um, at the same time or one right after another, It's easy to say to yourself, Trainer A got an easier horse than Trainer B. But if you were to take that same horse and flip it around, give Trainer B's horse to Trainer A and vice versa, would you end up with that same opinion? Or would you be saying Trainer A still has the easiest horse because that method is better? Or in my opinion, it's more than likely certain trainers and their method, their technique, their aura, if you please click with a certain type of horse versus others don't and we've all seen how you can take an incredible athlete horse wise that is doing okay and then it moves on to a different trainer or a different rider and then all of a sudden it goes and just knocks it out of the park or vice versa an incredible athlete horse wise that goes to a different rider or trainer and you know it's not winning anymore because that program didn't work with that horse is there and that's something I find interesting about your process in that you're constantly evolving and trying to develop skills that allow you to reach into your toolbox and say this particular horse because each and every one is an individual and each and each day is unique reach into your toolbox and this is the tool that's going to work in this moment because Many many of us have that mantra that you have to ride the horse you're on. Ride the horse you're on in the minute. But that starts from day one. Work with the horse. Try to put the halter on the horse that you have in this minute. So you've put the first halter on dozens and dozens of different horses. But I suspect, maybe I'm wrong, each individual horse is a unique moment. Is that not true?
0: Yes. Yeah, very true. And the more that I learn, the more that each horse starts to become closer to the same experience because I'm able to cut a lot of stuff out that I'm like, yeah, I don't really find this very useful anymore. I find this really effective, but... I've got some tools in my toolbox that are sitting in there getting rusty because I stopped using it about 10 years ago and I don't really do it that way anymore. And then inevitably one horse will walk through the door that just has me stumped. And I go, you know, that thing I used to do 10 years ago, I think that might be the trick
1: for this horse. Well, you alluded several times to your, I'm going to use my air quotes, new mare. Tell us who she is and why you've got her and bring us up to speed on how she's doing.
0: Okay, so this is the Mustang that I have chosen for the Mustang Magic Competition, which is an extreme Mustang makeover that takes place in Fort Worth during the Fort Worth Stock Show in January, and that's in Texas. And the difference uh, with between this makeover and other makeovers is this one is invitation only. So they invite a lot of veterans who've done well at makeovers in the past or people who've made top 10 Um at recent Mustang makeovers. So they're looking for, you know, they're looking for, uh, kind of tried and true trainers, um, because this is a pretty big event and the, um, the interest in adoption is really high and, you know, you've got the crowds that show up for the stock show. So it's really fun. Um, and just a really good time. And so, um, we, showed up to the makeover that they just had in September. Um, and that's where all of our wild horses were. And the way that they did it this year was a bit different. They, so sometimes you show up, actually every other magic that I know of, you show up and they just give you a horse. They go, here's your horse. And for this one, they had like 60 some odd horses to choose from. There were 38 trainers invited to compete and we had a meeting beforehand in which we were all given a number at random. Um, and they said, this is your order to pick. So some lucky person got number one and some unlucky person got number 38. Um, but even the last person to pick still had their choice out of many, many horses. So we all got to pick to some extent. Um, I was draw 15, which wasn't amazing, but it wasn't bad either. And it was pretty stressful actually because I had a couple of days to go through the pins and like pick the horses that I, I would. I was wondering want. if
1: you got how long you had to to sort to uh, sort them out and decide what you liked and didn't like. So when you had a few days to look through, did you how many did you have on your short list? How many different horses?
0: Well, I was terrified that everything that I picked was going to be already gotten when I got to pick. So of course you I had. Yeah. I had to pick 15 horses and order them. And, you know, um, and it was really hard. So, uh, the, you know, someone, uh, one of my friends was like, draw 30 something. And she's like, I have to pick 30 horses. <laughs> and so I went through and I looked at, and they're all mares. Um, And there was one that I was like, I love her so much. And she was from a pancake, the pancake HMA. And I've had one from there before, who was just the sweetest angel of a horse ever. And the pancake horses from what I gather are like that they're very easygoing. Um, So I had her really high on my list and the mare that I actually ended up with, I looked at her and I was like, she is the best looking thing in here. She is gorgeous. Um, and I so I had her on my list, but I was a hundred percent sure oh, someone's gonna, you know, someone's gonna just take her right away, first or second pick. Um, so I went through and picked 15 mares and I tried to put notes on all of them because you know, I knew in the heat of the moment. If I'd only written down like number 2349, I was not going to know who that was. So so I tried to write down bay, you know, tall, looks spooky, looks nice, da-da-da-da-da. And there was was another one that I loved. Oh, my gosh, I loved this horse. But that horse was definitely 13 hands and teeny-teeny. Like, it would have been abuse for me to ride this horse, but I loved it. She was so cute. Um, and she was the only one in that pen. Usually there's a few of them that like you can kind of pet on right there. Um, and I like those because they're in a strange place and they're letting people pet on them and they don't care. And I'm like, those, those are my type of horses. And this one, yeah, she'd come right next to the fence to eat her hay and you could reach through and touch on her. And she was like, I don't care." so I had her on the list, but I'm like, I really can't ride this horse. She's too small for me. Um, Your feet would have been knocking her in the knees. Yeah,
1: my my or even spurs the would have been
0: touching. <laughs> exactly. My sp- yeah, and she was just very slight and petite and adorable. Um, so I had a lot of different mares, you know, on my list and tried to order them, you know, on what uh, on preference. And inevitably, when it came time for me to pick every, we all picked the same horses. And really? uh, one of the guys working there was like, you know, you guys have good eyes. You're all like drawn to the same horses. So immediately all the horses on my list, this one got picked, this one got picked, this one got picked. And I knew like my top five that I had picked, I knew really well, like, "Oh, I really like this one. I really, but when it started getting down to the bottom of my list, I couldn't remember who these horses were. No. So when it's getting closer to me and my top picks are gone, I am like walking up and down the aisle. Like what was this one? I don't remember. And I'm trying to get my horses picked out. And then all of a sudden they call my name to pick and I'm looking around and I'm looking at my list. And all of a sudden I realized that one of the numbers of my list that was really, really, really high had not been picked. And I'm like, did I make a mistake? So I'm looking at that horse And I'm like, no, she's really awesome. And I actually asked him, I'm like, has this one not been picked? Because that happened to a couple of
1: people um, where they. When they pick them. So the number, the trainer with ticket number one picks his horse. They don't separate them out. They just say, okay, that one's picked, but there's no way to, they don't take them out of the pen or put a big red ribbon on them or something. No.
0: Cause we would have been there all night. Cause they were all like, yeah. Milling about. Shoot them out, or Oh, mark that's it hard. Down. Oh my God. We were all, yeah, we were all responsible. Now they did have like a master list, but right. you know, it was smarter for us to mark on our own list. Okay. This one's gone. This one's yeah. gone. And one of the guys before me, he, they said, what's your pick? And he said, you know, da, 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 da. And they go, that one's picked. And he goes, Oh, Okay, um, you know, and then he said named another number. They're like, that one's picked, and like, I'm like, dude, did you not write it down? Um, so like, oh my all of gosh, I'm getting sweaty picked. palms hearing this. Yes, and so then he just had to pick one. Um, so I was sure that was going to happen to me, and I said, is this number picked? And they're like, no. I'm like, wow, okay. So I'm like, I'll take that one. And the guy right behind me, he was like, "That was mine. I was going to take that one?" <laughs> I was like, "Sorry, I'm before you." But then I started second guessing myself. I'm like, "What's wrong with her?" Yeah, um, why didn't somebody figure already? <laughs> yeah, like why was she fifteenth? In you know, um, the only thing that people shut away from on this mare was she has capped hocks, um, which all it is, is they kind of get these little squishy bubbles over their hocks. And there could be a million reasons for it. It could be the way they lay down and get up. It's sort of, it's not so much, it's sort of like a callus or almost like a blister. And it's almost 100% of the time, completely cosmetic. Yeah.
1: Um, n- 99.9% of the time, it's just funky looking. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Sometimes it could be because they're chronic kicker and they kick the hell out of everything. Um which is a bit scary. Um, or it could be, you know, they're in a stock trailer and they've leaned against the trailer and it just creates this little squishy pocket above their hocks. Um, and it's not terribly noticeable. Um, some people were worried about it because we are we're these horses are selling at the end of this makeover. So um that's why a lot of people will go for color because the public, you know, oh it's
1: pol- yeah. you know, yeah, um this mare's is pay. Herb- Yeah. Yeah. She actually, uh, her coloring reminds me a little, it's a little bit like Remy in that she's got a beautiful dark bay with lots and lots of white. Yeah. And you
0: know, I didn't even register that everyone was like, Oh, it matches Remy. I'm like, Oh, I guess so. You have a type. (laughs) I I did. Well, mostly for years, I just did plain bays. Um, But yeah. So, so I got her so excited. I went back to, I didn't, uh, I wasn't scheduled to actually bring her home till the end of the makeover, which was Sunday. Um, we picked him out on Friday. And so I kept going back to the pins to look at her. And um, the the other hesitations I had with her is when I would go to the pin to look at her, she would always manage to put three other horses in the pin between me and her. She was <laughs> like, I don't. I don't like you. I'm going to be in the back of the pin. Um, Also, uh, those mares in that particular pin uh bullied each other pretty hardcore. And my mare was the only one without
1: a bite mark on her. Mm. Um, I was like, oh, gosh, are you mean? Uh, right. Is that because she just stays out of the fight? Or is that because she's the one creating the problem?
0: <laughs> exactly. And the thing to consider with these mares, a lot of these mares had had foals in their lives. I know mine has. Um, she's seven years old and they're protective as heck. Um, people, you know, think, oh, it's all the stallions who are fighting. I'm like, these mares are tough because yeah. some of these mares out in the wild have one full a year and they have to fight off everything to keep that fall safe. I mean, they, they learn to protect themselves. Um, and yeah, so I was. I was not sure how she was going to be. Um, and we, because I was the trailer I had was not a stock type trailer. It has dividers. And I also had Remy at that show. I actually had to have a friend with my other trailer come pick her up. And we drove home. We followed each other home and, um, she got in the trailer pretty well. She came, you know, came down the chute and got in, um, But I should have blocked off the windows and like it's got slots in the side, but it's very open. Like you can see out and I should have like darkened it and put like, you know, something solid up to kind of block off visually in that trailer. Because the whole way home, that trailer was rocking Um, because every truck that passed, you know, freaked her out. And I'm just, yeah, I was, we had an hour and a half to drive and I was like white knuckling it all the way home. Like, please be okay. Please be okay. Um, and she was fine. But when she came out of the, the chair and into my round pen, she was breathing fire. I was like, Oh my gosh, are you going to be
1: crazy? (laughs) And we're going to stop right there. Cliffhanger. The folks at horseware have come up with a really clever idea. They are introducing their new Rambo autumn series. And the Rambo Autumn Series is ideal for use in trans-seasonal weather. In other words, autumn and spring. You can reduce the need to change your horse's sheet during the unpredictable weather this time of year with this technical turnout. It's lightweight and waterproof and highly breathable hybrid fabric. And that application combines this technical soft shell with the durable 900D polyester and mesh panels on the chest and the shoulder area. To help your horse have superior air circulation. And the Autumn ser- Series Turnout, of course, has all of the quality o- construction that you expect to have from horsewear. And it also comes with a 100-gram liner so that when you have changeable weather that's just a little bit chilly, you're all set. And it is available in sizes 66 through 87. And you can find them online at Horseware.com, Or you can ask for the Autumn Series by name at your lo- ta- local tack retailer. Now I'm curious because when Scooter gets out of the horse trailer I'm I, you, it was a step up because tra- to, because uh stock trailers are typically step up is that right Yes so yes. when when Scooter gets in and out of the our step up trailer he he makes a flying leap as if he's going over snake river canyon with evil Knievel. did she, do they did she do the flying leap out
0: um, to an extent now
1: they have been loaded and
0: unloaded a time or two. Cause you know, she came all the way from Idaho. That's where her herd is in Chalice, Idaho. Um, so I, I think they do it with a little bit more economy cause they've done it a time or two, but yeah, she did, she did fly out to an extent. Um, and I have my round pen, it's a six foot round page. You have to have six feet panels and it is set up in my arena, which has five foot solid fencing. And then that is within other fencing. So like they can jump out of four different things and still be, still be on my property. (laughs) Um, See what I, (laughs) yeah, I was a little bit, I was like, please don't be a jumper. Please don't be a jumper. Cause some of these horses, oh my gosh, they are insane. Yeah. How athletic they are.
1: Yeah. So she hops off, she's breathing far. Did you get back in the evening? So it was put her in the round pen, give her some water and some hay and leave her be for the night. Is that kind of how it worked?
0: I actually wanted to kind of go in with, like I watched her for a while. Um, and, and again, this is listening to your gut. Um, my mom was with me and she was like, Oh my God, you know, thinking this horse was going to be crazy. Um, and, the way that she was looking around, and it was something that I noticed when she was loading, when she got separated from the horses that were in the pen with her, her first instinct was to turn back and look at him and, and cry out, you know, like my friends. Um And so my gut told me to get in there with her um pretty early on and start interacting you know, she's by herself in the round pen. I keep her separate from the other horses at my ranch for safety and quarantine and all of that. So she's, she was looking around the round pen, just, she was looking for help. And I thought it was the perfect time to go in there and start showing her, Hey, I'm going to help you out here. And that's what I did. And the program that I actually use to halter break these horses, um, is, uh, something, uh, it's, it's a lot of What I've learned over the years, uh, you know, with approach and retreat with Mustangs, but I started looking into this stuff called 4BP, which is this guy out of Australia who starts wild Brumbies. And it is a very low energy. It is not send them forward around the round pen and do their hindquarters and their forequarters and all of that. That comes later for me. I do teach them to move their body parts. But the very first thing you do with this program, and it's what I've developed over the years as well, is when I'm walking in the pen, look at me. If you look at me, everything's going to be okay. And so that's what I started doing with her right away. Like she was looking for help. I said, okay, here's where your help is going to come from is pay attention to me. And, um, it's low energy enough. I knew it wasn't going to like really stress her out too bad. Um, and it gave her just something to focus on so she wouldn't just be totally scared being by herself. And I I worked on that with her for a few minutes and she just immediately was like, oh, thank God. And just lots of licking and chewing and coming down off of being really stressed. And so I was able to, that first session, that first morning she was home, just get her follow me around the round pin. And that was, that was our technical day one.
1: Interesting. So she immediately connected with, okay, you're, I need to be, I need to be with other horses to feel safe and secure. Obviously there weren't any of those. So you were able to connect with her. So she said, okay, I don't have other horses to be safe with, but you'll do in a pinch.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And that's another reason why I don't put my Mustangs out with other horses right away, because they'll just hook onto those other horses. And then you go in the pen, they're like, meh, you know, (laughs) I don't care about you. I've got my friends. Um, So I want to, I want to be that first like safe haven for them.
1: Is that Um, a little bit like when you buy, when you hatch out chicks? they will bond with uh, with whatever's there at the time. So you're going to have friendly little chickens if you're the person who's there tapping the floor and teaching them to eat whenever they hatch.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is a bit like imprinting um, to an extent, you know, obviously she knows I'm not a horse. I know there's a lot of people out there who are like, Oh, this is, I I speak the language of horses and <laughs> no, she's very smart. She knows I'm not a horse, but She does know, you know, she learned really quick, because she's a Mustang, they have this strong instinct to protect themselves.
1: And I showed her, if you face me, the pressure's off. Um, And there's always safety in numbers, there's always safety in a group, and exactly, you were as close as she could get to a group in the moment.
0: Exactly. She's like, this is the answer. And... I've done other starting programs over the years. I've done lots of different ways to halt to break horses and Mustangs. And one of the things I did for many years is I'd walk into the round. And the first thing I would do is I'd point and I'd say, go that way and canter around me. Um, And then at the end of that session, I would try to get the horse to hook on. And I always got it to happen, but it always seemed kind of more artificial like the horse was like, yeah, this is the answer because you know, pressure release the pressure. But I felt like I was losing a lot of opportunity because half the times when you walk into the round pen with a strange horse, they are looking for help. They're like, what, what, what can I do? And instead of sending them away, um, you know, I show them, hey we're going to do a lot of stuff in here together. But the first thing I want you to do is I want to teach you is I want to teach you where you're going to be safe. And this mm-hmm. is, you know, you're going to be safe the whole time, obviously, yeah. but this is where the best, this, this is the best thing right here. Yeah. It's just I'm, give me your eyes.
1: I'm curious because you've started so many horses and you, all, you're always reaching out to find new tools to bring into your toolbox. For this particular mare, she hops off the trailer and you were able to observe her and say this is going to be the best route for her in this moment. Would are there s- circumstances under which you might have a, a a wild horse hop off of a trailer into that round pen and you might t- say to yourself, no, this is not the moment. I need to wait till tomorrow morning to go through this process.
0: Yeah, I would say a horse there are a very small number of mustangs where you being in the round pen with them is too much for them. And those are the horses that are looking to, you know, they're looking at that six feet. Like
1: I can clear that. Um, They're not looking, they're looking for escape more than safety.
0: Yes. And so it's a very, very small, small number of Mustangs that are that wild. Um, so I would just look at how much pressure they're feeling in the moment. And if I think that me walking in there is going to tip them over into that pure flight and fl- uh, flight or fight response to where they don't care, they're not trying to take in information, they're just wanting out, um, then I might do things a little bit differently, but for the most part, and when I go in there, I am very small. I'm very quiet. Um, I do not have to do much to get their attention. Like I'll raise my hand and they look at me and I'm like, that's what I went right there. And I walk away. And so if it's uh, the case of a really, really flighty horse, um, my first retreat might be all the way out of the dang round pin. Like you looked at me and I'm just walk right out of this pin right now to, to exaggerate to you. This is the answer. Don't look to the outside of the pin, look inside of the pen. look at me. And that's what you want to, that's where you're going to find the relief.
1: So this might be a stupid question, but I don't do a lot of round pen work and I don't get to watch a lot of people do round pen work, except when I watch Mary Kitts Miller video, videos can be found at Mary <laughs> When you come and go from the round pen, do you use a gate? Do you crawl between the bars? How does that work?
0: Um, I have a gate. Yep, yeah. And, uh, my outdoor round pen is a little bit wider, but I can't fit through my panels anymore without well you guys it. have <laughs> those
1: panels the the bars are a little bit closer together on purpose because they're a little safer that way, but you're yeah, right it's yeah. it's tough to squish between them. I thought of that because the other day I tried to squish between the rails on Nigel's paddock, and I thought to myself that just a that's hard b that's risking splinters, and c it doesn't sound like it's a real safe thing to do with a mustang in there.
0: Yeah. If, if there was a situation where I needed out of that round pin, I didn't think I could fiddle with the gate. I'd probably be climbing it. Um, yeah, but yeah, yep. I go in through a gate. Sometimes I will set up my round pin without a gate, but the panels unhook. Uh, so I just unhook them and open open it that way.
1: Cool. Well, we've, we've caught up with your new mare. And by the way, what is your new mare's name? So I
0: am still not completely settled, but I'm thinking of Kaya, um, which is K-A-Y-A is how it's spelled. Um, We'll see if that's the name I settle on. She's been really hard to name.
1: (laughs) She's an enigma. Maybe her name should be enigma.
0: Oh, that. Yeah. Mysterious. Mysterious. Enigma. Her name could be
1: mysterious. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There yeah. We go. Well, cool stuff. We're going to, we're going to continue to catch up with mysterious enigmas adventures with Mary as we move along towards January, because we get together every month to chat about all things horse training. But right now we need to say hi to our guest. Okay.
0: We're here with Marcia Sapp, who is one of the competitors in the Mustang magic competition. And you have a, looks like a very sweet little Palomino.
2: Um, how has the progress been with your mare? So I do have um, a little Palomino mare. She's about four years old from uh, the Diamond Herd Management Area. Um, She seems to be about um, 14'3", nice-sized Mustang, and um, we're about at the 30-day mark on these horses, and the little mare has really kind of exceeded my expectations and has really been a fantastic horse to work with. Um, we have, we've really enjoyed our progress together. Um, I had, um, a friend of mine bring her from, um, from Fort Worth and help me pick her out because I wasn't able to fly to Fort Worth and hang out with all the cool kids to, to do the selection in person. So she, she came back to Tallahassee and stepped off the trailer. And the moment I stepped off the trailer, I just had a feeling about this horse. Um, and. Yeah, I just had a feeling about this horse, the way she stepped off the trailer and the way she looked around the round pen. It's just a really, really cool horse. It's a really cool horse. I got
0: to tell you this as a whole, this group of horses is they knocked it out of the park when they picked these horses, because I have seen some amazing things from the other trainers and looks like they're just so good natured. Um I've actually heard good things about the Diamond HMA. Have you ever worked with a horse from this area before? And do you have a favorite HMA that you like to work with?
2: So I've never worked with a Diamond horse before. Um, I've had friends that have, and and uh, most of the reports have been fabulous on these horses. And um, but this is this is my first experience with this HMA, and it's definitely a going to be a new favorite of mine um, after I'm finished with um, with my mare here. Um, I've worked with a bunch of the different herd management areas, of course, at this point, uh, this, this, this horse has to be know in you know my 30th mustang or something in a number close to that so i've got to experience a lot of the herds i would say one of my favorite herds i have two um and they're both wyoming they're both wyoming herds Herds, yeah but the the (laughs) salt wells the salt wells horses are definitely favorites of mine and also the adobe town horses um so usually you know when i went into this makeover to pick out the the horses i right away you know wanted to go in and see if there was any wyoming horses because that was going to be my first pick um this particular group was nevada so i i did go with um with an unknown herd and i'm just you know so so happy with the mare that i got from the the diamond hma but let me tell you those wyoming horses they have won me over time and time again uh, I am in
0: the same boat. Um, my Mustang Remington is a Saltwells horse. I've had probably three or four from the Saltwells area, and they are just... Just big, happy puppy dogs. Um, I have heard of the odd, really difficult one. Um, and I have an Adobe Town as well. And he was really interesting because he really tame with me. Very big, drafty. It took me like months to get him to trot. Like he does not care. Um, but doesn't like men, which is interesting. Because never, I've almost never believed that was a thing until I had one. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> see a guy from 50 feet away and just start circling. Um oh. but yeah, I totally agree. Love the Wyoming ones. Um there's some good HMAs I like in Nevada. I always ask people what they like, uh what kind of HMAs they like because for people that aren't aware, you know, there's obviously different herd management areas all over the western United States. And even though the likelihood of all of these horses being related is very slim, some of these are very expansive areas and um but for some reason, you can predict with a certain degree of confidence how a horse is going to be. Um, I know there were quite a few horses in this group from Eagle, Nevada, which some people like, but I've had some very tough ones from there. Um, so I always find that fascinating. Uh, so how far, aligned, uh, how far along are you um, with your horse? What kind of milestones have you reached in the first 30 days?
2: I have reached a lot of milestones with this horse. Um, we I did Liberty work the first week. Um, I didn't do a whole lot of pressure. I didn't even see her canter the first week, um, but I did some Liberty works and join up with her, the basics of leading, picking up the feet, uh, long lining in a um, and got her saddled the first week. Um, she did have her first ride at day seven. Um, which for me is pretty early. I'm a very thorough and careful person when it comes to the, the foundation of the horses. And I am never in a hurry to just get on a horse. You know, everyone knows I am super careful. But she was ready at day seven for her first ride. So um, we, we, we were riding by day seven and, and I only rode her a couple of days. And then we went back to some some lunging and some more groundwork and some more stuff um, but, you know, we're at 30 days in, and she can walk, trot, and, and lope under saddle. Um, we just introduced the bridle uh, with the bit this week. So she's on week, uh, day five of riding with a bridle. I rode her this morning. Um, we, I ride my horses in a halter the first two weeks at least just to, you know, eliminate confusion and to make things simple for them. So she's she's being ridden in a bridle now. We're doing walk, trot, canner in my hundred foot, uh, round pen. I have a loping pen. I have a small round pen for the first rides. And then I have a hundred foot pen for, uh, for when the horses get to cantering under saddle, um, doing changes of direction and stopping and backing up, um, and just learning about staying straight in between the the leg and the hand aids. Um, she's coming in a stall. Um, she's able to be cross-tied and my uh, great farrier was here a couple days ago and we got her trimmed and she was great and it was a good experience for her um and then this morning she did have her first ride out in the open just walk trot nothing nothing major but um but you know i feel like she's quite exceeding my expectations for where i thought she was going to be at the 30 day mark um so she's just she's just doing wonderful and and i'm just so so happy and her energy's just been kept really good and um, she's really kind of a marvelous little horse. We're we're really uh, happy to have her here, and I'm already thinking about my plans for keeping her because I I just really like her. She's just been been so you know so smart and kind of really clever about the way she's handled everything with the training process. That was, yeah, I was I
0: was going to ask if you'd already thought, considered keeping her, because she sounds like she's one of the really exceptional ones that just, there's some horses that walk off the range and you know they're totally wild and everything, but it's almost like they were meant to come and work with people. Um, so definitely thinking about keeping her?
2: Uh, you know, it, it definitely has passed my mind a few times. <laughs> um, you know, I just... I just think, you know, we we always find these kind of marvelous and special horses that I call magical horses and you know, I like to show people what they can do with a horse with just, you know, training and and being mindful about what the horse's needs are and you know, this little mare could be a great showcase for the mustangs because she's really kind of a cool horse. So, we're we're, we're early in though. We're we're early in the process. We're only 30 days in. So, who knows who knows what could happen but you know me if it has four hooves and a tail i love it
0: yeah and it's so hard not to get attached to these guys even some of the really challenging ones i've had i'm, I'm still when it comes time you know to rehome it's like oh, maybe i should keep this one um so i wanted to ask a little bit about your training process um uh, is do you have like a, a tried and true program of I like to do this every time? Do you change it up? Is there anything that you think this is absolutely necessary that I put on all my horses, no matter what? Or, uh, what, what does your checklist look like when you're looking to put those first rides on?
2: Yeah, so I definitely have a checklist. Um, I start horses for a living. I'm a horse trainer. So I have have to have a system to keep myself and my staff safe and um and it's really been working well we do everything from wild mustangs to warm blood horses to gypsy vanners just you know we do a variety of breeds and for me the 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 horses must be able to long line you know everything goes into two lines and whether it's attached to the halter or the bridle, and we always start our horses in a halter, the horses must be able to walk, trot, and canter on long lines. They have to be able to stop and back up on long lines. Um, of course, all of that involves being able to change directions, which is the start of a one rein stop. So the horses must be comfortable, walk, trot, canter in long lines, and you know the ability to halt before I will get on them. And when I do get on these horses, it's always a two-person system um, because I want to make sure the horses are as comfortable as possible and they understand the process. And the process, when you add a rider, does not change much what they already understand from the ground. So it's a two-person system. I will get on the horses and then I will have um, one of my trusted staff members here who help me send the horses around. So I'll go out to the rail on on the round pen and the person in the middle around, not on a line, but I'll be free, but they'll stand in the middle and help the horse achieve forward motion with um, so that the horse really understands the process. And it's an easy transition from the groundwork to the rider. So we use a two person system probably for the first two weeks to make sure that the horses are confident with the understanding of stopping and going and the use of the leg and turning Um, And then by that point, we just transition off to the rider itself.
0: I also really love using a system where you have, I call them a flagger because it's usually someone that has a little horsemanship flag that I'll have in the middle of the round pen. And I'm so glad they've started allowing that like in competitions like Road to the Horse because I think it's such an integral part of starting Um, you know, can I do it by myself? Yeah. In fact, I kind of do that a lot these days because I don't have a person that I'm like, this person knows what they're doing and they can help me. But if I ever have that opportunity, I think having someone, an assistant in the round pen is so good. And, you know, it's always nice when you put the first rides, and you can just be a passenger. Like your job is, yes, you're going to direct the horse a little bit the first ride, but your job really is to be up there and reassuring the horse. And it's nice where you, you know, I don't have to worry about using my legs or trying to kick on the horse or wave a lead rope or a whip or anything. I'm petting on them and saying it's okay. It's okay. And then they're remembering their training by having someone in the round pen. And, you know, it's, I also like one of my favorite things when I have a flagger is when the person, when the rider's getting on for the first time, I will just be really, really lightly moving that flag to put a little tiny smidgen of the horse's attention on me. Um so they don't get so caught up in what is this person doing on my back? Um so I I yeah, I totally love uh being able to flag someone or have someone flag me and the rider is just there. You know, they can focus 100% on staying on, staying in the middle and then just reassuring the heck out of that horse. And then over time, I have my rider, you know, take a little bit more control or vice versa. Um, And then by the end of it, the person with the flag is just standing there and they can be a little bit of extra help. Maybe the rider can't get the horse into the loop all the way. So the flagger will help just a little bit there. Or maybe the horse gets just a little bit fast and the rider can just gently step out in front and kind of get their attention again. One thing that I'm not as familiar with, but I am doing with the mare that I'm working with now is the long lining. Um, That's not something that I was ever uh, taught initially. And I know a lot of people are probably interested in doing it with their own horses. Do you have any tips for someone who's wants to start uh, learning how to long line their horse?
2: Yes, absolutely. The, The long lining is really important for for the system that I do and it just kind of helps to speed things along and create a better understanding than using a single line. My biggest recommendation for people is just to get a pair of lunge lines, 30 foot lines and um, either, you know, you're going to put the surcingle on the horse and run it through the surcingle or you'll tie your stirrups together and run the lines through the, the stirrups to either your halter or your bridle. The majority of my long lining is done in a 55-foot round pen. Um, It's a bit overwhelming to try to teach a horse to double line out in the open. Um, That's a bit much for a horse. It's a bit much for somebody who's learning how to long line themselves. So do it in the middle of the round pen. You can stand in the middle. You can have one line in each hand, a right rein and a left rein. And if you have a horse that already knows how to lunge, it's kind of a nice transition. Um, And it'll make a lot of sense to somebody that's just starting it for the first time. So my biggest recommendation to people that are learning how to double line their horses is to have a small round pen. That way you can stand in the middle. The horse will never get away from you. And um, it's just kind of a a nice addition to any, any training system that you could use.
0: Yeah, I think I definitely agree with the round pin. Plus, you're not worried about him getting lost in a corner, you know, like that could happen in a square arena. Mm -hmm. And uh, worst case scenario, you can catch a horse that has gotten away from you in the round pin. Um, You know, hopefully it's set up to where that never happens. But um, I find with, uh, and one of the reasons I wanted to go to the long lining with my Mustang is if I'm standing in front of her, she's totally blissed out. She loves having her face rubbed and everything that I've done behind her eyes has been like, Oh, I'm so scared. And I think what, uh, it took me a while to realize when starting horses is if I'm on the ground and I'm driving them around me, they've got the visual of seeing me, you know, either out to the side of them or even out in front of them, directing them and they can take those cues. But when you're on them, you're essentially kind of behind there, you you know, you're, you're in their back, but you're behind their eyes and you're driving them from behind, essentially. And so I think the long lining can be really helpful. Um, Because they get to see, they get to experience moving forward with the driving pressure kind of behind them. And it's actually, um, I do a little bit of what I call invisible long lines to where before I actually clip the lines on them, I instead of standing in the middle of the round pen and driving him around me, I get behind him. And for some Mustangs, mine, especially the first time I walked like behind way behind her tail and drove her forward, she ran off because she was like, that's really scary. I've never seen you from that angle. And it just kept going until I could walk right behind her, you know, out of kicking range. Uh, but you know, pretty close behind her and move her around and actually push her left and right as if I had long lines on her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it made a huge change in how she perceived me. And she was much less afraid of things behind their eyes. And I think it's just that one less checklist you can do um, before climbing on just to get them used to it. Um, so uh, as far as uh, preparation for the makeover, um What are the next steps with her? I know you're walk trot cantering her around. Uh, Is there any kind of maneuvers that you want to have her doing really well before the makeover? Um, What what kind of uh, things are you going to be teaching her to get her ready for the competition?
2: Well, I definitely haven't been able to delve into the use of any obstacles yet. Um, A lot of my horses, I'll lunge them over obstacles in the beginning before I even ride them. Um, But I just didn't have my round pen set up in that way Um, during this time period so I definitely need to introduce the use of obstacles and riding her through obstacles over logs um, getting her to go over tarps and bridges because we all know that the trail class at the makeovers are are really kind of a big component um, in some of the scoring but it's such a nice way to to make an overall good horse something that should be worked on regardless so I need to need to work on my obstacle work. Um, I will begin some of the, the lateral work with her once I have um, confirmed straightness in her body. So I'll start to do some side passing with her. Um, I'll start to do some side passing over logs, some leg yielding, um, and then work on the pivot or the spin, um, which we haven't even started yet either. So I've got all these different things on my checklist. I'm, I'm going to have to start to work on with kind of an eye on what's going to be looked at with these horses when they, they get to the makeover. Um, I'll have to start trailering her out when I go to horse shows with my string of show horses. She'll come and hang out at horse shows and, and she'll just need to see see some stuff. Um, you know, Luckily, I live in Florida. There's lots of options for horse shows and there's lots of places um, to go. Um, right now I'm, I'm in a little bit of a transitional period where I'm, I'm moving farms. So I don't have that many horse shows on my docket through January. So I'll need to kind of be creative with my ways to, to get her prepared with the time that I have. Um, so I know all of that stuff's really, really important, um, to get her out and to see things and to work on the, the, the different elements, but She's going to really kind of guide me on, on what things she can do at, at what time. Cause I, I definitely, one of the things that I'm always really careful about is, is not pushing the horses towards a specific goal, but instead listening to the horse and deciding what things they're able to work on this week. you know, and this, this week's goal is just to confirm straightness out in the open. That's it. You know, it's my only goal this week and maybe I'll be able to start some obstacle work in the round pen and and kind of move on from there based on what she's ready for.
0: Awesome. And I think all of these things, whether you're getting ready for a training competition or you're just training a horse, I think these are all just amazing experiences to teach your young horses and get them ready for the world. But we also have the added challenge with the makeover of you have, you know, you know, going into it, you have a decent chance to make the finals. And this is the top 10 freestyle that, um, the makeovers feature, which is really cool, where you get three and a half minutes of music. You've got a couple of rules you need to abide by, but other than that, you are just showing your horse and you can do, you know, the freestyle you want and show that horse's ability. Um so we have to start thinking about that even now. Um, do you have any ideas on what you might like to do with the freestyle, or are you still getting to know her a little bit and trying to see what kind of talents that she's gonna have going down the road?
2: You know, I think we're just going to have to wait and see. I love the freestyle component of the competition. And for me, it's one of the bigger draws for being able to do it. Um, Every horse is different and the training progresses. So my ideas for freestyle are always based on what the the horse's abilities are and what they can handle. My my dream, of course, is to be able to ride the horse bridalist in a freestyle. You know, we are a long ways off from that we are really long ways off from that, but maybe if I just (laughs) tick away at the boxes here and there, like maybe it'll happen or maybe it'll be a horse that isn't going to be able to to do that based on like fear of crowds or noise. And those are things I'll have to experiment with on the way. Um, You know, I like, I show dressage horses, so definitely it would be a dressage based freestyle. I love costumes. So hopefully I would have some sort of costume on the horse, but it just really depends on how the training goes and you know i'll i'll have ideas and i'll change them probably weekly <laughs> up until no. january and and hope to be prepared but you know do just do the best i can buy my horse but you know my goal is to be able to to show show a horse bridalist to really show the training and the connection and um and and really just how amazing these horses are because these horses are magic they are Amazing animals, and I just really want to, I, I hope that I'll be able to have the opportunity to showcase really how how super these horses can be.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I, I completely understand about changing it up uh, as the horse, you know, kind of reveals themselves to you. Uh, I also love bridalist freestyles. Um, I've I've had to change it last minute to where we were riding bridalist fine in the warm-up, and then 30 seconds before showtime, I could tell, ah, we're a little bit... We're a little bit up right now. Let's keep the bridle on, but that is the the fun of it and the challenge of it, and it keeps trainers humble. This is one of the best groups of trainers in any part of the industry I've seen because we all know you know, it's still a young horse. It's still a once wild horse and they're amazing horses and they come through for us time and time again. But at the end of the day, sometimes things happen. And, you know, I think we all, it keeps us like on our toes and realizing that our job is to help the horse and, you know, show them to the best of their ability. And I think that helps with all the domestic horses we train when we, you know, have that consideration of these wild ones. Um, so if people want to follow your progress with your Mustang makeover horse, where can they find out information about that? Where can they find information about you for training and other horsey needs?
2: I, um, I have uh, been updating the horse's progress on, on Facebook. So my, my name on Facebook is Marsha Hartford Sapp. It's a hyphenated name, but you could, you could go in and uh, friend request me or follow me and I'll be posting updates. I've been trying to post updates on the, um, extreme Mustang makeover, uh, Fort Worth Mustang magic page on, on Facebook. So I've been working away at that. Um, the horse's name is Tallahassee and I named this Mustang Tallahassee for the town that I live at in Florida. It's the state capital of florida and this is my last mustang makeover in tallahassee florida i've been doing mustang makeovers in tallahassee florida for the past 13 years and this will be my last one here since i'll be moving my farm so this horse's name is tallahassee it's a very fitting name for her so um they can kind of log in and, and follow tallahassee's progress on the the facebook
1: stuff
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And I wish you all the luck with your horse and uh, I will see you in January.
2: Oh, I'm so excited to see all of the trainers and and see what they've done with the horses. Um, It's really, you know, it's a fascinating process for me to follow. And uh, I'm just time and time again, I have really, really been humbled watching these trainers do these things with this horses. It is such a, a great group of
1: people. So it's so fun to hear about the process of getting things started because each trainer is different, each horse is different, and how you guys intermingle and trade tips and stuff like that. Even even the trainers do it. It's so cool.
0: Oh yeah, and especially at these makeovers. I mean, we, we like I said before, we really know that we're working with young horses. Anything can happen. You could have the winning horse at home and show up and that horse is not ready, or vice versa. That horse could have been totally wild at home and they show up and they they're doing really great. So, we're all really helpful with each other and and we um, you know, we work with each other. I think it's a great group of people and such a good learning experience. Oh my
1: goodness. There we go. So for folks who want to find out what you are up to, along with your uh, mysterious Enigma mare, how can they do that?
0: Uh, So you can follow me on Facebook. My personal page is Mary Kitzmiller, I think, yeah, Mary Kay Kitzmiller. And I also have a Facebook page, Mary Kitzmiller Horsemanship. Um, And I'm trying to update
1: uh, uh, info on my mare as we go. There we go. And you can also find mary on her facebook page or mary kitzmiller horsemanship online on her face on her website if you want to have her help you get a horse trained give you advice on training your own horse attend a clinic uh hire her for a clinic etc so we will see you again in about a month mary all right see you soon